Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the HypnoDojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hi, I'm Linda Campbell, and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. It is February 15th, 2019, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Victoria, B.C. I am the president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators and the owner of my own hypnotherapy school, the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy. And, of course, the Hypno Dojo, as the man said, is dedicated to students and practitioners of hypnosis, hypnotherapy, to help you improve your practice, get some tips, hints that will move you and your clients forward. Today, we are going to look at how to reduce inflammation in the body. This has been coming up. I get this interesting phenomenon. I wonder if anybody else out there who's in practice notices this. I get clients coming in like little droves where they all have the same challenge at any given time. For example, I might have a period of time where I've got a bunch of people going through breakups or a period of time where I've got a bunch of people who have a cancer diagnosis. They just seem to come in these little collections of you know, the same issue over and over. So what's been coming up for me lately is inflammation. And again, people are coming with different problems, um, different symptoms, but it all stems back to inflammation. So I've got a client right now with IBS who's working on uh, reducing or eliminating the IBS. I've got another client with ulcers. I've got one with food sensitivities who's trying to, coming to hypnosis to get some support in um, modifying her diet. Another client with arthritis who's got quite a lot of pain, who's working on the pain relief. I've got a client with skin rashes. And in talking to these clients, all of them during the consultation have brought up the word inflammation. When they go to their doctor to figure out what's going on, why do they have this particular symptom, that seems to be the buzzword that they're all hearing. So I thought it would be fun, interesting to do a show today on what is inflammation? How does it show up? How does it respond to hypnotherapy? What would we be working on in hypnotherapy to help to reduce inflammation? So what is inflammation? It is basically the body's response to injury, and I'm going to give you a little bit more about that later. And it's linked to, as I mentioned, all kinds of different challenges that your client will come in with. It has been shown to be linked to asthma, ulcers, arthritis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, IBS, sinusitis, allergies, and autoimmune diseases, basically. And so some of the signs, some of the symptoms that you'll see in clients who have inflammation, uh, fatigue, chronic pain, gut issues, swollen lymph nodes, skin breakouts, eczema, brain fog, heartburn, uh, problems with the joints, swollen joints, joint pain, stiffness, and of course there's likely a whole bunch of other things, but these are the typical symptoms that people come in with. So how do we get rid of inflammation? Now, how it's typically being treated out there in in the muggle world is through lifestyle change. Uh, So I've seen some clients who have uh, received dietary suggestions as far as, you know, what they should be doing differently there, avoiding foods that are high in fat or foods that have a high glycemic index, 
uh, my client with the arthritis has been to- told don't eat bread or nightshades. So in some cases, it's being managed or addressed with dietary changes. There's things like exercising more, resting more, drinking more water, no longer smoking. So these are some of the suggestions clients have been given, and I'm sure there's other things as well. Now, we could help a client in hypnosis make any of those changes. You know, the client who needs to prioritize themselves more highly so they're resting more, you know, learning to say no to other people, learning to focus on themselves, uh, helping a client quit smoking or change diet, obviously, is something that hypnosis is used for frequently. Uh, having the client be able to kind of ch- check in, pardon me, and see what it is they need, uh, rest, water, what have you. But I'd like to go deeper than that in talking about how to address inflammation. So in doing my research, I found a a review published in the June 2017 issue of Frontiers in Human Neuroscience that concluded that inflammation is always linked back to stress. So when you're stressed, whether it's emotionally or psychologically, the body goes into fight or flight. And we all know what that is. So fight or flight is meant to be a short-term burst of adrenaline, hormonal changes that help to prepare you to flee from a threatening situation or to stay and defend yourself if need be. And so there are hormones that are released when we go into the fight or flight state. One of the hormones is cortisol. Cortisol works to suppress functions that are not essential in an emergency like your immune system and your digestion. If you have to run away from a saber-toothed tiger or in our more modern day, you know, your overbearing boss or your angry spouse, if you've got stressors in your environment, this is not the time to stop and have a pleasant meal. We don't need to be worrying about digestion. We just need to be worrying about sending energy to the legs and to the arms so that we can flee from the situation or fight back. So another hormone that is released, of course, is adrenaline. And this hormone tells the body to increase the heart rate, to increase the rate of respiration, to expand airways, to push more oxygen into the muscles. So again, it's all about directing energy away from the midsection, away from the digestion, all the internal organs, and into the muscles of the arms and legs. So again, this is meant to be a short-term adaptive uh, function that protects us in a potentially threatening situation. But If you are in that state chronically, inflammation can occur. So fight or flight has, of course, been around forever. As long as there's been human beings, there's been fight or flight. And back in our caveman ancestor days, what would they have to have dealt with? Being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, meeting a member of an enemy tribe. But today, we still have this old ancient fight-flight response, but it's triggered so much more frequently now whether it's the stress of getting your taxes done or a breakup or having your mortgage come due or your kids being bullied at school or dealing with your boss or a sick parent or whatever it happens to be, all of those situations can be read sort of by the system as being potentially threatening and can trigger that fight-or-flight response. So it's no longer in our more modern day just reserved to potentially life-threatening situations. That response is going off in people way more frequently. And so, again, if you're in that state chronically, if you're constantly releasing adrenaline and cortisol, all the stress hormones, then it's going to create inflammation in your body. So inflammation is essentially the body's response to stress, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, 
And it doesn't even have to be that there's a real stressor in your life. So great, right? There's all of these things I just mentioned, all of the environmental factors or social factors, but there's also what's going on just inside of our own minds, right? Every thought that we think creates a corresponding chemical cascade in the body. Uh, we have this factory of, in our minds that we are able to tap into just with our thoughts. So consider this. You're sitting in your office. I'm assuming you have an office. You can place yourself anywhere you want in your imagination. And you think you see out of the corner of your eye a snake. Now, if you happen to be a person who's afraid of snakes, maybe even if you don't, you're going to have all kinds of physiological, emotional, psychological responses to that snake. Your heart's going to beat more rapidly. Your palms are going to start to sweat. Your mouth is going to go dry. Uh, again, that blood is being shunted into your arms and legs so that you can run from the room or protect yourself against the snake. If you then realize that it wasn't a snake at all, but an extension cord, all of those initial responses are going to go away, right? Your heart will return to its normal rate. Your mouth will be moist again. Your palms will be dry. You might even laugh at yourself for thinking it was a snake in the first place. Now you're releasing endorphins and serotonin and all the feel-good hormones and the point is, it doesn't matter if there was a snake there or not. All of those different responses were created just by your thoughts. So not only do we have external factors that are causing our fight-flight response to be kicked into gear, the mortgage, the kids, the house, the pet, but we also have internal functions that are kicking that fight-flight response into gear, the thoughts that you entertain. And, of course, there's also um, what is sort of bubbling up from your subconscious. Now, the subconscious doesn't understand the difference between now and some previous time in the past. So I say to my clients, it's almost as though a little piece of ourselves gets snagged off on our personal timeline when we've had some kind of trauma or major event and just continues to live there. So, for example, I had a client earlier today who is dealing with a great deal of anxiety. He feels as though his fight-flight response is constantly on. He says he's operating at like 90% all the time. So it doesn't take a lot for him to just kind of go through the roof as far as that, that adrenaline, that hypervigilant response. And what this stems back to is when he was a child, uh, anytime he stepped out of line, did anything remotely wrong, and I'm putting that in air quotes because I'm going to give you an example earlier to demonstrate how it wasn't really anything wrong, he would get punished. He had a mother who was a rageaholic, and so he would be um, constantly punished. So, for example, potty training. When he made a mess, potty training, which kids will do, that turned into a big ordeal. So... <laughs> The subconscious doesn't understand the passage of time. If making a mistake or doing something wrong led to this punishment, then there's this kind of expectation that any time you do something wrong, any time you make a mistake, there's going to be that same punishment. So not only do we have the external factors, the things in our life that create stress, our internal factors, our thoughts, how that generates chemicals in our body, but then there's also old unprocessed experiences that are still having an impact on us. So his stress was triggered over the holiday when uh, his wife wanted to do something around the house and he wanted to do it differently and he didn't feel like he could stand up for himself. And so because that was one of the things that would have triggered uh, that fight-flight response back then when he was a kid, not being able to stand up for himself, feeling as though he was going to get in trouble if he tried to assert himself, 
current day situations that have a similar theme bring on that same level of anxiety. So, back in the caveman ancestor days, maybe they only had to deal with the stress of a saber-toothed tiger, but we're living in a, in a culture now, in a society now, where people are constantly stressed. I hear every single day from the clients who come to see me that their hour or so that they spend with me is the only time that they take in the course of a busy day or a busy week or a busy month to actually slow the pace down and do something nice for themselves. We're seeing an upsurge in mindfulness meditation. There's all these apps that you can get online now that can teach you how to meditate. Um, we have I rent office space, and we have a group called the BC Association for Living Mindfully, BCOM, who rents office space. People come in here and meditate during the day. So there's this recognition that we live in this fast-paced world, that we're constantly under pressure. We're more and more stressed. We're more and more taxed. That's affecting our physical system not to mention our emotional, psychological system, and there's a need for slowing down and quieting the mind. When we're under threat, the immune system sends out chemicals called pro-inflammatory cytokines to attack the invaders. And so typically they do their job and then they disappear. But if we're in chronic stress, if we have all of these different things that we're reacting to, then those uh, cytokines stick around. They don't turn off. The analogy that I use with my clients here is it's a little bit like having a sprinkler system in your home. That sprinkler system is meant to be there in case of an emergency. There's a fire in the house, the sprinkler comes on, puts out the fire, problem solved for the most part. But it's meant to be in times of emergency. It's not meant to be going off constantly. It's not meant to be just how we live, right? Imagine waking up in the morning and it's raining on you in your own home. You go have a bath. You get out of the bath. It's still showering. You're trying to entertain or have a meal or Netflix and chill, and there's this constant downpour. We're not meant to be in an environment that is constantly uh, responding like this to emergency. That sprinkler system is meant to be brief, shuts off, done. So when we are constantly stressed and we have more and more and more stressors, then that inflammatory response is turned on, doesn't shut off, gets kind of habituated in the body. How can we help a client? I've already given you some hints. One thing is to work on any trauma or past experiences that could still be having an impact on them. Sometimes the work that I'm doing with a client is helping them to recognize in hypnosis the difference between their life at some previous point where there was a lot of trauma or you know things that they didn't have control over versus where their life is now. So, for example, the work that I did with the fellow earlier today who was punished so much as a kid was helping him, first off, go and soothe his child self, you know, be comforting, be supportive, give that baby what he needs. Um, but I also had him imagine different points along his own personal timeline of pivotal moments in his life, you know, uh, graduating high school, getting married, having a baby, the things that have occurred along the way that proved to your subconscious that you're now grown up, that you're an adult, that life is different now than it would have been back then. Again, the subconscious is illogical. It doesn't understand passage of time. So if it thinks you're still this helpless, defenseless, vulnerable baby who's being punished and who's in constant stress, then it just carries on acting that way, even though there is no mother punishing you for messy potty trading now. So 
we may be looking for, are there any experiences that this person has had through regression uh, that are impacting on them, that are causing them to feel anxious, that are creating stress, and then using whatever technique you're skilled at to help to reframe that event, to put it into the past, to gain a new perspective on it so it's no longer having the negative impact on the client. We can also work with a client to reduce stressors in their life. So I will sometimes talk to my client about what kinds of situations create stress for them now. And I'm listening for whether this is just about their current time or if what's going on in their current time is made worse because it reminds them of something earlier. So for example, Uh, the client who's having a difficult time at work because all the colleagues seem to be in a clique and and my client is left out of that clique. I'm going to ask her if that feels familiar. Has there ever been another time in her life when she has felt on the outside, when she's felt not accepted, and have her kind of trace back to see if there's any other experiences? Maybe she was the person who was picked on in school. Maybe she was the, the one kid in the household who didn't really get along with the others or wasn't included in their activities. Sometimes a current day situation is made even worse because it's reminding you of some past experience that hasn't been addressed or hasn't been fully processed. So I'm having them look at the current stressors in their life, tracing back to see if there's any similarity between that current situation and the past, but also teaching them skills or or giving them suggestions and what I call hypnotic argument to manage those current stressors. So for example, the client maybe needs to be taught to do some deep breathing. Maybe they need to know how to regulate arousal more easily. Uh, Maybe teaching them self-hypnosis or teaching them meditation so that they can take time to calm themselves down and thereby aren't being impacted so much by the stressors in their life. Uh, Maybe they need to work on setting boundaries, being able to say no to other people, say yes to themselves more, Maybe they need to be given kind of permission to get themselves out of toxic situations or to prioritize themselves more highly. On top of us living in a more stressful environment, I also see a lot of people who were you know, really taught or had to adopt the role of taking care of others, nurturing other people, being the caretaker, and their needs always coming last. So there also may be something to work on there. Is this person a people pleaser? Are they, you know, have they been conditioned to make sure other people's needs are taken care of first? So again, there may be some need to work on prioritizing your own needs more highly and saying no to other situations, other people. Uh, Of course, we can also work on the client's self-talk. I talked earlier in the whole snake in the office example about how our own Internal thinking creates a chemical cascade within the body. So we don't even have to have any stressors in our external world. We can create inflammation for ourselves just by thinking negative, uh, worrisome, uh, anxiety-producing thoughts. I get a lot of clients who play the what-if game, who are constantly ruminating, thinking ahead to all the worst-case scenarios, situations that could occur, preparing for the worst all the time, I've got clients who, you know, they keep themselves busy throughout the course of the day, and then as soon as they lay down to sleep at night, all of this stuff that they haven't worked through or all of the stuff that they are worried about just comes to mind. So helping people to to kind of take control of their self-talk 
help them to eliminate worry, and often that's done by building up their belief and their capacity to handle things that arise as they arise so that they don't have to be constantly preparing for those things inside their mind. And as the client learns to shift their self-talk, of course, that's going to change the chemical cascade. And eventually, when you've practiced a new way of thinking often enough, that becomes your new default. So we're helping the client to recognize the value in thinking differently uh, and building the belief that as they practice with it, it's going to just get easier and easier over time. So the client who tends to worry a lot, the client who plays what if, I'm getting them to focus on uh, trusting themselves to handle whatever might come up, being able to be more present, staying in the moment, enjoying what life is all about currently instead of um, jumping ahead in their minds to what might be coming up next. I'm also working on helping them to purposefully um, build up what I call their mental bank. So I think of negative thoughts as like a withdrawal from our mental bank and positive thoughts are a deposit into the mental bank. And sometimes we have thoughts that just come to mind unbidden. You know, you, you hear bad news and you automatically go, oh, no, what if that happens to me, right? So there may be negative thoughts that come up. And, of course, if every thought creates a chemical cascade, then we've got those adrenaline and uh, cortisol chemicals running through our bodies just because of our thoughts. We can't necessarily stop all the negative thoughts. When I have a client who comes to me and says, what I want you to do is get me to only think positive thoughts, it's like, oh, let's back up and discuss that a little bit. You can't just think only positive thoughts. You're going to have some negative thoughts from time to time. But using this analogy of a mental bank, we can go in and make deposits, purposely make deposits to build the positive thought part of the bank back up. Instead of making so many withdrawals with the negative thoughts, we can intentionally put in some positive thoughts. So what does that mean? Uh, doing a gratitude journal, finding things every day to appreciate, paying attention to what's working for you, paying attention to what went well that day. We have a tendency to focus on the the negative thing, right? You get a report card with five A's and a C. What grade is going to get your attention? You don't go, oh, wow, good for me. I got five A's. You go, damn it, how come I got a C? So we tend to focus on the, the negative thing. You could drive for hundreds of thousands of kilometers and never have an accident, and then you have one fender bender and the subconscious goes, oh, driving is unsafe. Well, what about all that time you spent in a car where you're not having an accident? Most of the time, things are going well in our lives, right? We might worry in our minds about something that's coming up or anticipate some negative worst-case scenario event, but while we're imagining that, we're just sitting safe and happy, or happy, safe and uh, you know, not in any danger in our homes. So I'm also helping the client to kind of shift their perspective that way. I think of it like playing a game of I Spy. If you're looking for things that could potentially go wrong in your life, you will find them everywhere, right? If you're looking for the color black, playing a game of I Spy, black is going to pop out at you. But while you're looking at black or looking for black, you're missing red and blue and pink and yellow and gold. All those colors exist as well, but we tend to focus on what it is we're looking for. So when the client is looking for what could go wrong, all the worst-case scenarios, we can be very inventive and imaginative coming up with all kinds of possibilities, but while we're doing that, 
our minds can only be in one place at a time, we're not focusing on what's going right. So I'm essentially getting the client to play a different game of I spy. Look for the things you can appreciate. Look for what went well today. Look for, uh, you know, how things are smooth and easy. Look for the people that you respect and appreciate and adore in your life. Uh, Pay attention to the number of compliments you get or, you know, the random acts of kindness that people around you are performing. Switch your attention over to what's going well, to what's positive. And it's not just, again, you know, woo-woo nonsense. This is chemistry. This is science. The thoughts that you think create a corresponding chemical cascade. When you condition yourself to look for things to be grateful for or to appreciate or that are beautiful around you, the cascade of chemicals that you're releasing in your physical system is totally different than the cascade of chemicals you're releasing when you're worrying or upset. So again, training the client to get a hold of their own self-talk and to shift their perspectives so that they're not increasing or encouraging inflammation through their own thinking. So those are some of the things that we can do to help reduce inflammation. Of course, we can also work on it symbolically. The subconscious is the creative mind, and so it responds beautifully to stories, to symbols, to images, So even having the client imagine in whatever way makes sense to them their inflammation being reduced. So a classic example of this would be the old control room where you have dials or levers and you get to adjust them to turn the inflammation down or turn the healing up or whatever it happens to be. Um, Or even just having them imagine doing some kind of treatment or, or what have you on the area that's inflamed. So the client who's got big swollen uh, knuckle joints from arthritis might imagine um, putting a healing, cooling salve or, or ointment on those knuckles and seeing the reduction of swelling occur. The things that we imagine in hypnosis, because the subconscious doesn't know the difference between something real and something imagined, will actually impact the body in a positive way. So we can work on it completely symbolically, having the client come up with some healing imagery or some idea um, to work on it using symbol, using image, using story to communicate to the subconscious the result that they want. So I hope that you've gotten some good ideas out of this, and I'm inviting you to tune in again next week. Next week I'm going to talk about a variety of strategies and approaches for helping a client to resolve PTSD. Of course, this is one of the things that I've seen coming up a lot lately with inflammation. The more stress a person has in their life, the more chronic stress, the more inflammation. So if we can um, deal with past traumas so that they're no longer sort of active in the client's psyche, we can go a long ways in reducing inflammation as well as all kinds of other symptoms. So tune in next week. We'll be talking about how to resolve PTSD. Okay, take one. <laughs> with corrections with Campbell. With Campbell. Campbell. Uh, uh, okay. Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy and never blood. <laughs>